Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me here today. My name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors at the Vine Church in Pasco, Washington, and I'm just honored that you are listening in today and joining me this Sunday morning. As many of you probably know, this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and so on this weekend, we honor and we remember Martin Luther King Jr. and what he stood for. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist minister who was very committed to living out the love of Jesus in turbulent times. He was a civil rights activist who, who advocated for a nonviolent means to end racial segregation. He did some really important, incredible work in his lifetime. And so I encourage you today and in this weekend to learn a little bit more about Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement, but spend some time um, just learning more this weekend. For our time here today, um, in light of it being MLK Weekend, I wanted us to reflect on and to pray for justice in our country and in our world today. You know, I have two little girls. Um, well, they're not so little anymore, actually. They're just about as tall as me. One of them is taller than me. But I remember when they were really little, when they were just little toddlers, and I remember I'd take them on walks a lot. And uh, when we get outside, their attention was just all over the place. And so I'd be walking down the sidewalk and they're trying to run ahead or, or run behind me or they see something to the side of us. And, and they were constantly trying to, to go this way and that way and I remember having to grab their little hands and say oh let's let's wait let's just walk together keep in step let's walk together until we get to wherever we're going to the park or where is a safe place for for them to just run wild and as I was reflecting today on, on this message um, I thought what an appropriate analogy for the church so often the church is that little child struggling to keep in step with what God is doing in our world. And, and as the church, we're wanting to go this way and that way. So my hope for today as we reflect and as we pray together is that we would be able to um, realign ourselves with God and that we would be able um, to keep in step with what God is doing. And so today I've, I've broken up our time um, into four, four different parts. We're going to, to look at um, a God of justice. I'm going to talk about how God is a God of justice. We're going to talk about uh, lament and we're going to lament together. We're going to look at confession together. And then we're going to reflect on and pray over our response to all this, which needs to be modeled off of Jesus's response. So we'll read scripture together. I'll share some thoughts. And then I also want to spend quite a bit of time in prayer together. So we'll be in prayer off and on together through our time. And so at any point during this um, recording that, that you're watching or listening to, I invite you just to pause and spend some time in, in prayer on your own. At any point, feel free to do that. So as we begin, let's, 
Let's begin by inviting God to speak and posturing ourselves to listen. So for me, I'm going to get comfortable, do whatever you need to do to get comfortable. I like to open my hands up and we're going to pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you that you are working and that you are speaking. And so, Lord, today we invite you to speak to us and we posture ourselves as listeners. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our ears and our eyes and our minds to be able to understand and to receive what you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's dive right in. First thing I want us to reflect on and, and, and pray about is how God is a God of justice. Now we see this word justice a whole lot in scripture. In um, the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, the word for justice is mishpat. Mishpat. And, and God is referred to as a God of justice. And so I wonder what does that mean? We might have different ideas on what that means, but the Hebrew word for justice, it has two primary meanings. First of all, retributive justice, which is like, um, the consequence for wrongdoing. So similar to a punishment, like, okay, so retributive justice, this is the consequence, the recompense for wrongdoing and sin. And then there's another type of justice and that justice is more um, restorative justice where God is restoring back into community those on the margins and caring for the vulnerable. Those are often the people that have been affected by injustice. And so you have this, this dual meaning of the word in Hebrew, retributive justice and restorative justice, where God is restoring back into community. In the Old Testament, scholars often refer to the quartet of the vulnerable. Because as, as, um, the Hebrew authors wrote about justice, they, they wrote about four categories of people in their society that were very vulnerable and that needed God's justice desperately. And that was the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the immigrant. And I'm sure today we could add more people to that list based off of our society. Justice, this word mishpat in Hebrew, is often coupled with the word uh, sadaka, which means righteousness or is translated as righteousness. And sometimes when we think of righteousness, we think of our personal morality, my own righteousness. And yet in the Hebrew scriptures, righteousness was profoundly social. It had to do with right relationships, how people engaged others in fairness, in generosity, and in equity. So there you have uh, maybe hopefully a little bit better grasp of what the word justice means in um, the Hebrew biblical text. And so today we want to reflect on and thank God for him being a God of justice. 
And so we're going to do that together uh, by reading some scriptures from the Psalms, and then we'll spend some time in prayer. So I invite you to listen to um, some of these Psalms, and I'll, and I'll be reading from four different Psalms. Psalm 103, verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Psalm 89. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Psalm 50, verse 6. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Psalm 146, verses 6 through 9. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free and the Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. God is a God of justice. So I want to invite you to pray with me. And this would be a good time to pause if you'd like to have some space to pray on your own at first. But to pray with me the words of these psalms. And I love praying the psalms because sometimes these authors can say things that I just don't have the words for. So as I pray, I'm going to look back. As I pray, I'm going to look back at these psalms and I'm going to pray and thank God for being a God of justice. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are a God who works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. Lord, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. They are who you are. Your character is justice and righteousness. Thank you. Thank you, God, for being a God of justice. You are our creator, our maker, the maker of everything in heaven and on earth, and you are faithful. You haven't just created and left us alone, but rather you are present, you are here, and God, your heart's desire is to uphold the cause of the oppressed to give food to the hungry, to set the prisoners free, to give sight to the blind, to lift up those who are humble. Lord, you love righteousness. You love right living, engaging others in fairness and generosity and equity. Lord, we thank you that you are watching over the foreigners and the immigrants, the fatherless and the widows. Lord, thank you that we matter to you, that justice 
matters to you and that you are working in our world for justice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You might have noticed that I didn't close my eyes <laughs> there as I prayed. There's so many different ways to pray. And, uh, and so I just want to mention that it's okay to explore prayer a little bit. There's freedom there. And so today I'm using scripture to guide many of my prayers. So we're going to move on now. Um, and next we're going to talk about lament. And that's not a word that maybe you've heard a ton or that you've used a ton, but lament is basically grieving and crying out to God. In fact, the Psalms, which were or Hebrew poetry that were the songs sung and recited by the Jewish um, peoples, um, of there's a whole bunch of Psalms and about a third of them are actually lament songs. They're they're these sad songs to God, lamenting um, just just really raw honesty over the pain and suffering that they are experiencing. And I love reading through the Psalms. And what's interesting about the lament Psalms is they often, almost always, they end with an element of hope. Because though the, the authors are, are experiencing pain and suffering and injustice, whatever it may be that they're writing about, they know they're talking to a God of justice and there is hope um, almost at the, at, at the end of every single one. So we're going to lament together or I'm going to lament and I invite you to join me in this, um, recognizing that it might be pretty unfamiliar for us because we're used to um, celebrating God um, much more so than lamenting to God. And both are so important um, and good for our faith. Lamenting is really important because it reminds us that God is present even in the hard times, that it's not just in the good times, but even in the hard times. Song Chaira wrote a book, um, Prophetic Lament, and in his book, he, he writes this. He says, lament reminds us that God is present, not only in the triumph of our day-to-day -day life, but also in the suffering of our day-to-day -day life. That God is present in the triumphs and in the suffering. And he write, write, writes this about lament. He says, lament is participating in the pain of others. And lament is a prayer for God to act. And so today we're going to lament, participate in the pain and suffering of others, place ourselves in that. And then we're going to pray for God to act. So as we reflect and pray for justice today, I'm going to read for us parts of Psalm 10, which is a lament psalm. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under 
his strength. But you, Lord, you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief. You take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. We want to spend some time in prayer together. And I want to invite us to lament the pain and the suffering and the injustice that we see in this world. And, and there's so much of it. I'm reminded in this moment of just the lives lost during this pandemic, the livelihood lost during this pandemic and the hardships that so many people have experienced. I think right now of all the violence and the wars all over the world right now and the suffering and pain and injustice that come from those on, on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, I consider the racial injustice, the inequities and the oppression um, in our nation and also all over the world. And just the trauma and the pain that comes from racism. And so I want to invite us to pray our prayers of lament to God. How long, oh Lord, how long must this go on? The suffering and pain, the injustice and the cruelty. When we read the news, we read the stories of people, people being hurt, people being killed. Lord, today specifically, we lament the harassment and the discrimination against and the killing of people of color in our country and all over the world. Lord, we, we lament racism and how this sin hurts and harms. Lord, we long for your healing. We long for your peace. We long for reconciliation and restoration to wholeness. We yearn for the safety and well-being of all your creation, of all your children. And Lord, we come to you in grief and lament, and we know that you grieve and you lament with us. Because you are the creator God, the creator of this beautiful mosaic that is humanity, the creator of all people. And you, our creator, are a God of justice. So today we lament and grieve with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Next, we move on to confession. And this too may be a bit unfamiliar 
for you, unless perhaps you've been a part of a liturgical uh, background in which they had a public confession each Sunday. Um, in fact, that that is a beautiful practice, and we're going to do that um, to get today together. But I want to talk a little bit about confession first, um, since maybe we're a little bit unfamiliar with it. Confession is not wallowing in guilt. Confession is not being crushed by the weight of our sin. I think sometimes we think that, and so that's one of the reasons why we avoid confession. Rather, confession is this healthy acknowledgement of wrongdoing, this healthy acknowledgement that we have sinned so that we can move forward, so that we can be healed. In 1 John 1 verse 9, John writes, if we confess our sins and he is faithful, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we confess sin so that we might be forgiven and purified. I love this because the goal of confession is to surrender to God, to yield to his transformation in our lives, that we might live differently moving forward. And so today I want to spend some time in confession. You know, I was looking back at, at the life of Jesus as, as recorded in the Gospels, and, and Jesus rarely spoke harshly. He rarely spoke angrily at people. But when he did, he was speaking to the religious. He was speaking to the religious. I want to read for you a passage, Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 23. And this is the words of Jesus to the religious leaders. Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Jesus says, you, you are so careful about tithing the spices, these little, little amounts, and yet you neglect the important matters like justice. Sadly, religious institutions and religious leaders and Christians today, um, they have and many continue to be complicit in the injustices of our world. And so today I want to confess as a part of the church, I want to confess how many predominantly white churches have actively perpetuated racism in our country and in other countries. If you're unfamiliar with some of this history or if you, if that, that statement, um, kind of gets you a little bit defensive, I'd re like to recommend a book called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. It's a history of specifically American churches and their involvement in racism. 
Dr. King in 1963, um, in one of his speeches, he described how appalled he was that the 11th hour, which was the traditional church time, that the 11th hour was the most segregated hour in our country. Latasha Morrison, the founder of the Be the Bridge Foundation, uh, focused on racial reconciliation. Um, she, she said this, I thought was so powerful. She said, Jesus can make beauty from ashes, but the family of God must first see and acknowledge the ashes. Jesus can make beauty from ashes, but we must first acknowledge and see the ashes. And so that is what we do in this confession. Too often we'd rather look the other way. Today we stop and we confess the sin of racism. Now would be a good time to pause if, if you want to spend some time to pray individually over this. As, as for our corporate confession, I would like to read the general prayer of confession from the Book of Common Prayer. And if you're unfamiliar with it, listen to it, look it up online. It's a beautiful confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, in word, in deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. So we've spent some time reflecting uh, and praying oh, uh, about a God of justice. We've spent some time in lament We've spent a little bit of time in confession. So where do we go from here? I want to reflect on and pray about our response to injustice. And we want to model our response off of Jesus's response. So, so I'd like to read a couple scriptures that describe Jesus. For us in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew quotes Isaiah 42 in describing Jesus as God's chosen servant. Listen to, to how Jesus is described. Here is, and this is God speaking. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will proclaim justice to the nations. Then in Luke 4, Jesus in Nazareth on the Sabbath went to a synagogue and he stood up to read and he was handed the, a scroll, um, passages from Isaiah. And this is what he read. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus's response to pain, to suffering, to injustice, was to engage humanity in love. He chose to engage humanity in love. And what I would like us to reflect on today is how justice and love are two sides of the same coin. Both justice and love are constantly moving towards the marginalized and the vulnerable. You have this element of restorative justice that cares for the vulnerable and the marginalized, restoring people back into loving community. And then you have agape love as demonstrated by Jesus, the self giving love that looks out for the well-being of the other, that cares for the others, especially for the vulnerable and the marginalized. And when we look at Jesus's life, we see, we see it all over his life, how he healed the sick. He touched the leper who was untouchable, who was the outcast. He ate with the despised of society. We see it also in his death on the cross. You know, the cross is where God's justice and God's love meet. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project puts it this way. He says, at the cross is where God brings just recompense for human evil, but he provides that by embodying justice or mishpat for the poor by taking it on himself. That at the cross, you see, you see these justice and love meeting. And you remember the two definitions of justice. You had retributive justice, like a consequence for sin and wrongdoing. You see that here, Jesus taking the consequence of human sin on himself. And then you also had the restorative justice where, where people were brought back into community. And here at the cross, you see, because of God's great love, because of Jesus's great love, Jesus takes the consequence of evil on himself and he invites us back into community with God and with each other. You know, in his teachings, he was once asked, what's the greatest um, command? And Jesus answers, love God with all you have, like with everything you've got, with all that you are, love God and also love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus will go on in Luke 10 from in that conversation to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you haven't, if you're not familiar with that parable, go back and read it. It's in Luke 10. It's an amazing, amazing parable. But what we learn from it is that justice and love require us to engage. We can't just put blinders on and move to the other side of the road and ignore the pain and suffering and injustice that we see. 
Rather, God's love and God's justice require us to engage, to see people, to give of ourselves, our time, our energy, and our comfort. So reflecting on all this, on our response, what do we do now? We want to commit I want to commit myself and I invite you to commit yourself to respond to injustice and suffering as Jesus did with love. So I invite you to pray. Pray with me. God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you showed us what it looks like to love our neighbors, to love people, to give of ourselves, to move towards the marginalized, to move towards the hurting. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to respond in the same way. You know very well what's going on all around us, Lord, in our community, in our nation, and in our world. Lord, you are very much aware. And so we ask that you would teach us, your followers, how to respond in justice and in love, and that you would give us the courage to do so. I want to recite a prayer from uh, the Book of Common Prayer, a liturgy for ordinary radicals. Lord, use us to heal the broken systems. Equip us with wisdom and foresight. May our lives interrupt injustice with your grace. May our lives interrupt injustice with your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in conclusion for today, I want to invite all of us to continue to pray for justice, not just this weekend, but this week and for the weeks to come, to pray for for justice, to pray for love and God's kingdom, to walk in step with a God of justice, to live with justice and righteousness, to live loving lives. I also want to invite us to hope because we know even in our lament, even in our confession here, we know that God is a God of justice. We know that Jesus' kingdom of healing and love and wholeness has been ushered into this world and his kingdom continues to unfold and continues to come. And we know that Jesus has accomplished all that is needed for justice and love to reign in our world through his death and through his resurrection the Holy Spirit in us and around us is working for healing and wholeness. And so I want to invite you to continue to pray. I invite you to walk alongside a God of justice. And I invite you to have hope this week 
as we walk with God. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. And I just pray that this has been a beneficial time for you, an opening time for you. And I hope you have a wonderful week.